Welcome back to Batting Around. It's Batting Around. It's a baseball podcast. Um, your co-host, Jane Austen, with me as always is uh, Lauren. I'm Lauren. That's Lauren. And Steven. You. All right. I didn't talk over anybody this time. Yeah, that was a successful one. Good good intro. Thanks, team. All right. Yeah, there there was there was some baseball this week. Allegedly. We we have yeah, we have baseball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> two no hitters again. Yeah, the no hitter <laughs> onslaught continues. Uh it's it's a little odd cuz it's been a couple of days now and the baseball world seems to have moved on a bit um uh, just because there's always a new new thing. Uh, but, uh, they, they both happened like the day, uh, the night of, and then the day after we last recorded. So it's new to us. Um, so we get to offer our perspective on it. And I think, um, maybe I, am curious if you two agree with me. Uh, is, is this getting a little, uh, a little, little, little bit tiring? Am I getting a little bit bored of amazing pitching? Just a little teeny tiny bit. Like what are we, what's going on? Oh yeah, absolutely. I literally, we were talking before the show and I literally forgot about one of them. Yeah, arguably the more interesting of the two. Yeah, that they're just completely. Uh, it's it's like I, I groan when there's a no hitter now. Yeah, when it when it used to be like, oh cool, good for him. I'm really ha- that's that's awesome, and now it's just like, okay, cool, another one. I described it on Twitter. Uh, have you guys seen Clue? Oh, the movie. Clue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that scene where they're running through the house, like re- re- like going through all the bodies of the people and it's just like the first dead body they're like oh my god and like by the seventh dead body they're ju- they just like stop look down at it and look back at each other and then just close the door like they don't give a shit at all yeah that's yeah. how i'm feeling about all these no hitters yeah and i guess we should recap in case people weren't really paying close attention um uh john means for a uh, sorry not john means that was last week or week before last spencer turnbull of detroit the other bottom feeder team that now is a no hitter for some reason uh, got nine strikeouts uh, against Seattle, and uh, uh, Corey Kluber uh, got uh, nine strikeouts in a no-hit bid against his former team he briefly formerly played on, the Texas Rangers. Meaning, uh, all, haven't all the no-hits then come this year come off the same three teams? Isn't that like another yep. weird statistical thing? Yeah, yeah the, two off Cleveland and, yeah. Two off the Seattle Mariners and then two off the Rangers. Yep. Mm-hmm. All, like... Offensively, pretty grim teams. All in AL parks too. Uh, oh, were they all on the road? That's super. Oh no, so some of them would have been inter interleague or not interleague. They would just in. They would have all been in AL parks no matter what, probably. Right. Wait. Yeah, I don't know. About, wait, have all of the throwers been AL? Um. No, Joe Musgrove. Uh, no. Um. Oh yeah. That was interleague. Yeah. We, and then Wade Miley, also of Cincinnati. But they've all been in Ale Parks with the DH in place, though. Yeah. Oh, except except Madison Bumgarner's no hitter. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Not letting that one go. Uh, Madison Bumgarner's no hitter asterisk. <laughs> You're maybe like the only person that's really fighting for that one. Nope. 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 It makes sense. Historically, it makes sense. It fits. It works. I'm counting it. History will be on my side. I'll be vindicated by time. The whole offensive environment in the league is just down so much. It's so grim. And like, you know, what, what they they killed the ball, whatever. Pitchers are better. Like, it's just, I don't know. I want to see, you know, balls in play. I want to see, I want to see fun stuff. Remember when we were all talking about like, oh God, the ball is juiced. It's clearly juiced, right? Like, what? How can <laughs> this? You know, we got to get to the bottom of this. And now it's just like, can we? 
Can we get that back? Well, someone uh, on Twitter made a really astute point. Um, I wish I could remember who. That it's really not evenly distributed. Uh, that it would be a much more manageable to watch if these incredibly high strikeout rates were a little bit more evenly spread out across the league. But it really is the tanking teams that are just like just unwatchable compared. To, you mm-hmm. know, Dodgers are still great. Uh, White Sox are still great. The really good teams are still really good and fun to watch and dynamic offenses. It's just all these bottom feeder teams that are putting up uh, non-competitive rosters. So there's, yeah, I mean, there's just tons of reforms <laughs> that need to happen to fix this. It's not just moving the mounds or moving the mound up or down or back or uh, or anything like that. Uh, they're just <laughs> like, we just need to get teams to try again. And that would go like a really long way. Like we need the, the salary floor or something along those lines. Yeah, some incentive to actually uh, try to win 90 games, even if you're not going to win a playoff berth. But there was another, there was an article on The Athletic about another thing that I, that it's like, it, it's affecting this, that I think was an mm-hmm. interesting article uh, about foreign substances on the ball and pitchers using that. And just, it sounds like all the players, there are tons of players in the league uh, are pretty fed up with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, w- I sure would be if, a, if I was a hitter and, you know, the, they can't call anybody out on it. Because you know their guys are probably doing it as well, mm-hmm. um, but there was some there was some really uh, evocative imagery in there uh, talking about how a team was passing around a rookie's first hit ball uh, in the bus or something, and it was just like covered in glue, <laughs> like it was just sticky, pulling strands of glue off of it and stuff. I don't know. It's that that's a really frustrating situation, especially because like it's just such an open secret. Dick had Trevor Bauer just as it just fa- just cheating, <laughs> just told everyone he's going to cheat and did it. And we haven't had any sort of resolution on it, but it's so clear that it's happening. Yeah. And MLB uh, has made these statements that they're going to uh, try to reform this or, or take it more seriously and crack down. And they've taken some balls off the game. They've made something about like a, uh, a, they made something that looks like an effort to do something about this. But if, as far as I know, not drafted any punishments, not, levied any kind of fines or released any kind of conclusions about this it's um i'm worried it's just going to be like a, a theater thing it's going to be trying to step to I, I hate making comparisons to the steroid era it's it's kind of feeling like those early days where they were slowly tentatively kind of trying to deflect blame on on enforce on the lack of on their lack of enforcement on the players for doing it um, has a single uh pitcher been thrown out for it this year I haven't heard of any. Uh, not to my knowledge. Uh, it's yeah. this is still like not something that's like the front page news of the stories. The, the athletic one is the first first like writing about it I've seen that was like um, really front and center. And uh, I don't watch enough ESPN or MLB TV to, or MLB Tonight to really say whether the whole league is talking about this yet. But um, I don't know. It feels like something's got to give, and this is the thing that actually can be changed without fundamentally altering the rules of the game too much. That uh, if MLB does feel enough pressure to do something in the season, uh, this is the one thing they could really do something about if they wanted to. I have no idea whether or not they have any intention of um, making any kind of radical midseason change, but uh, we'll just have to see how the season goes on, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's not like they can move the mound in the middle of the season or do anything like that. No. Or even, you know, just you know year to year without talking about it, really. Um, but this is like something they could do. If they're worried about that, there being too many strikeouts, 
you know, a bad offensive environment. It's just like, this is really easy. You just enforce your rules. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, and there, that, that, I don't know if that'd be entirely fair. Like it, uh, I don't know if that's like the right thing to do, but it is like the one card in their pocket that they could draw on if, if they just feel enough external pressure. And maybe that's what they're setting up. I don't know. Maybe that's like, maybe this is the way they can blame the players rather than uh, their own kind of lack of uh, foresight in how this has all been handled. Right. I mean, and it is MLB's fault down the line. I mean, players need to, you know, they haven't been disincentivized from doing it forever. They've only been incentivized to do it. Like, especially if you're like a relief pitcher, you know, who goes up and down. They're pretty much like the gig workers mm-hmm. of the of the Major League Baseball. You know, if if you want to like stay up in the league, you know, you have to put up. You have to put up numbers. If you don't want to just get passed around and DFA every season, like you need, you need to do something like that. I yeah. mean, they're they're only incentivized to, uh, incentivized to do it. So like it it is really like the it is really Major League Baseball's fault that it's happening. It's not it's not. I yeah I, I wouldn't really blame any any pitcher for doing it. Yeah, they all they all watched uh, Garrett Cole uh, go from kind of a middling guy uh, with the Pirates with a lot of potential to being a. a AL regular uh, Cy Young and, and MVP compet- uh, contender with the Astros, and long rumored it's it's been long rumored that one factor there uh, has been the uh, famed Astros special stuff. But players are seeing that. Yeah, I mean they watch they watch Trevor Bauer do it. They watch Trevor Bauer win a Cy Young doing it, saying he was going to do it and doing it. I don't know. It sucks. Uh, there is an interesting uh, little graph in this article. Um, uh, more high spin fastballs every single year. 2018, 20% of uh, MLB fastballs were over 2400 RPM. This year, it's 35, 15% increase mm-hmm. uh, just in a two year span. So maybe, yeah, maybe a big factor of this is his guys seeing how blatant it is and how significant of an increase it's making and uh, uh, the, in the salaries of the guys who are succeeding with it and saying, uh, if they're cheating, I should be too. If we'll, yeah, and even I'm saying cheating. Uh, cheating there should be in air quotes. Like if it's not being enforced, it's not really against the rules. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's and uh, it's putting more, more break and more uh, on the balls. You know, more movement on it, and that's you know that's helped lead to an uptick of hit by pitch as well. Yeah, I mean that's not the only thing that's led to the uptick in that. I mean the the bigger um, protective gear uh, also has done that. When you're wearing a huge guard on your elbow, it's going to happen more. And also that the you know the antidote to the launch angle revolution stuff is like high fastball high inside fastball so that's gonna that's gonna help as well but like these some of these guys are just come out <laughs> without much control uh all of a sudden getting a ton of movement yeah on a 99 mile an hour fastball or something like that's gonna lead to more more hit by pitch and at the same time you're sure. seeing fewer fastballs and more absolutely absurd breaking balls like yeah it's yeah. it's just uh for, for the for the hitters it's it's Something of a uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Yeah, it's all damned. It all. <laughs> it's. I don't know. I. It's. It's. It's one thing that I really would like to see get like cleaned up in baseball. Yeah. Is just get rid of that stuff. Well, I think I've said in the past, and I, I think I still stand by this that uh, if if there's if it's a, I, I think there is a player safety issue in in saying that um, uh, the the pitcher's perspective on this for a while I've heard before has has been uh, that there's a player safety issue here. Uh, it lets them control the ball better, and that means fewer guys uh, losing control and, and getting hit in the face, in theory, I guess. Who knows if it's true? But I think if this is going to be something that's going to happen, regulate it. Put out one product. Everybody can use mm-hmm. 
the goop, the magic mm-hmm. goop that's regulated and allowed by MLB, and all other sure. substances are, are disallowed. Uh, totally. Otherwise, there is no reason to do this, to do this like fake look the other way thing that's been going on for years now. And, and maybe it seems like it's at a peak. I don't know if that's, we, we'll, we'll never know if that's really true or not compared to the last couple of years, but it tr- certainly seems like it. Yeah, I, I'd be down with that. If it's just like this is what you can use, mm-hmm. this this is this is it. Go for it. Yeah. Like do as do as you will now, but like it. Yeah. It, it just really sucks when there's this when there's this culture of of that or like a tacit endorsement of it by Major League Baseball by looking the other way forever. Do we want to talk about steals now? Yeah. Yeah. This is another really interesting athletic article. Um, it, it it immediately popped out a line from this article popped out. Uh, it's Jason Stark in the Athletic. Uh, uh, four days ago, May 20th, uh, speculating about how much stealing is too fun for baseball. It's kind of the conceit of the article. I think more stealing is definitely more fun. Mm-hmm. He's concerned that these changes in in single A ball that we're seeing so far into the minor league season suggest that uh, perhaps these changes uh, suggested by MLB's creative process uh, are, are too strong, too good. People are stealing too much. Let's dr- look drilling down on those actual rules. So we've discussed them in a previous episode. It's the rule of uh, you, you, you basically uh, left-handed pitchers can't have to step off the mound to throw to first. Yeah, they can't do the Andy Pettit move. Exactly. Yeah, they can't, they can't do their tricky. They still have the advantage of looking over there is in their natural position, but they, can't, uh, they have to actually get off the back the rubber and, and get it over there. Secondly, the rule is um, you can't uh, throw it over there forever. You get, I think it's two tries. Then the third try, if you don't get the guy, it's a balk. So what we're seeing so far is a pretty significant spike uh, in steal attempts and successful steals uh, at, at in this single A level. Uh, first, there are data reports from the Atlantic League two years ago when this experiment was first tried below the MLB level. Uh, in the first half of the season, when this wasn't being tried out, there were one uh, steal attempt. There was on average one steal attempt a game. It jumped to 1.72 in the second half when it was started being enforced. Uh, so far in the new minor league season, where this is officially being tried out by MLB, there's uh, been a pretty significant jump. 2021 is 1.72 per game. 2019 is 1.2 per game. So pretty in line with what we were seeing in the independent league when that was tried out two years ago as well. I don't know. I don't really, I don't see a problem. I know that the, it's kind of like an intentionally provocative title yeah. on that article, but I really don't see a problem with more base stealing. I mean, there's been more. I think there's been more this year in the majors too. Yeah. Yeah, that, overall, that's that's that is addressed uh, a little bit in here, but uh, as kind of a counter to his own thesis, um, that uh, if if you normalize for the actual MLB rate versus the minor league rate, it would be something like 1997 baseball levels. Uh, the, if if you just translate the raw numbers across, it's like we're all of a sudden back in 1900 in terms of number of stolen bases per game. But uh, given where we actually are in MLB, it's it's much closer to c- the contemporary game when most people who are alive right now and really actively engaged with baseball were young uh, children or young adults. I think that's fun. Like I want stuff that incentivizes speed. Yeah, it, absolutely. For players, it adds drama to the game. And also something that incentivizes uh, good defensive catchers mm-hmm. as well. I think that's really, I think that's great. That's really cool stuff. Like, well, more of this, more of this, please. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, sa- it says in the article that there are there are guys, there are hitters that have always said that that left-handed pickoff move was a balk. <laughs> and, like, uh, this just kind of clarifies that that it is. It's kind of like, um, like the pornography, I know when I see it, that's just kind of how, like, the balk rule 
seems to be enforced exactly. or seems to yeah. work. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I don't. I don't see any sort of problem with with this. I think that's that's good for the game. We want to see more balls in play, more more flashing leather, more speed. Great. Yeah. Perfect. And there's, Bring it on. There's some quotes in the article from uh, like Whit Merrifield and a couple other kind of speedy guys in the game right now saying, oh, they're really against it. But uh, and, and they're making an argument that it takes away some of the craft of stealing, which. Oh, sure. OK, sure. Uh, the stealing as they do it, as he does it, uh, is less about speed and more about finesse. He puts in a lot of work to be good at stealing. But uh, it's like. And Andrelton Simmons is kind of like that too. He doesn't get like a ton of stolen bases, but he's like a slow guy, but he's just yeah. very good at like reading the movements and picking his spots. Yeah. And that's something that's, that's part of their game. That's a specific skill set that they've cultivated. And I, mm-hmm. no one wants to see that go away. I don't think, I think it's a fair point that uh, stolen bases as it exists right now, the guys who do still do it pretty successfully uh, are doing an incredible, uh, incredibly different, difficult, unique skill set. Uh, but MLB, as it's currently constructed, really doesn't incentivize that outside of a couple guys who are don't really have the tools to hit for power um, in the same way that everybody else is kind of trying to go for. I really think if you want to change those, um, change what skills MLB teams uh, recruit for and train for, uh, you need to make some kind of fundamental change here because as it is, the stealing game is just not optimized, not optimal in virtually all every scenario. It's so incredibly rare from a statistical perspective that it's a good idea. Um, even with the best stealers, if being a little bit faster led to a couple more uh, steals per season, maybe that changes. I guess if we're gonna if we're gonna be um, in an era where offense is down, where they've they've deadened the ball then like that just has to incentivize stealing as well. And to yeah. your point about uh, it, it being great for really strong defensive catchers, if we're really going in the direction of the uh, robo zone in the next couple of years, there's got to be some incentive for catchers to be anything but a, a slugger. Yeah. yeah. Framing, we hardly knew you. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're just, yeah, we, we need to have something for them there. Yeah, more steals. I want more steals. It's fun. I, I I love seeing like a good strike them out, throw them out, or something. Just like I mean, I know that more steals means that's <laughs> they're gonna be that's not maybe not happen as much, mm-hmm. but uh, I want to see I want to see them try. I want to see guys yeah. running. Get it's fun. Get the base paths moving. And I'd be curious if there's some downstream effects from uh, more guys on base threatening pitchers, meaning more sidesteps, more uh, kind of awkward throws where pitchers are more off balance. Maybe that has a positive effect on reducing the dominance of, of pitching right now. One more thing that they have to think of. Yeah. yeah. That they have to think about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm for it. I am I'm theoretically like I could be convinced to, you know, lower the mound or move it back. But this is the kind of stuff I would like to see first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's a pretty dramatic change and there are plenty of smaller changes. And not changes, but enforcements that we can do before we get to, like, that nuclear option. Mm -hmm. Until it makes it, like, definitionally a new era of baseball. Right. Yeah. And and really, like, no one's saying to make this change tomorrow. We're all just looking for the data to come in, at least through this season, probably the next one as well, before anybody really seriously considers implementing either of these changes. Do we want to talk about Tony Larusa? <laughs> Have we talked about that enough? Virtually never, lately? but like, yeah, he's he's constantly in the news for making White Sox fans apoplectic. So I guess we should. 
absolutely they've gone absolutely insane <laughs> the white Sox are too fun and good they need like something to make their fans miserable that's just basic storytelling yeah yeah you know? yeah there has to be some sort of conflict here. there has to be a villain yeah. <laughs> yeah we need an antagonist there somewhere there in the white Sox organization uh so i don't remember if it was the night of when we recorded the last one or the night after uh but the twins were playing the white Sox. Uh, it was a, I believe, a fifteen to four game. Uh, the the Twins had already turned it into a circus by once again putting Williams Astadio on the mound in the ninth. You know, he he always takes any opportunity he can to pitch. Like he'll he'll go running up to Baldelli and say, like, no, let me. Oh, I heard you were going to put somebody in to pitch. You were going to put a position player in to pitch. Let me do it. Let me do it. Let me. Do I it. love that energy from a position player. I do. I love that too. But uh, in and like previous years when he would do that he would try to like fire it in there like he would try to really pitch and they had to tell him to like stop doing that cuz he was going to hurt himself <laughs> and and so he responded to that by just throwing 46 mile an hour ephises and efi ephises i don't know eeps 46 mile an hour or efi and I like uh, yeah i like <laughs> efi and uh white Sox dh uh, Yerman Mercedes comes up to bat. Uh, he there was three pitches, not even anywhere close to the zone. Up three zero in a blowout game, uh, and he ignored the take sign from uh, ancient baseball lich Tony Larusa, <laughs> and just you know crushes the ball. Fine, totally fine with it. But all these unwritten rules, red asses, including Tony Larusa himself. Uh, get get mad. Tony Larusa says like, "Oh, he'll be punished." Which you you think like the unwritten rule of always stand by your players would uh would would really really take precedent over or would would take you know priority over uh, some stupid unwritten rule that like who cares? It's not it's not a like they put a position player on the mound. They they threw out any respectability that the game had. Yeah. Fuck I, it. I think that was Lance Lynn's point. I think he made that point on Twitter. Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah. Lance Lynn said that, uh, that like, you know, if you don't want the, com- basically, if you don't want the competitive advantage of saving some arms, you don't get to complain about this. You don't yeah. get to yeah. be mad about this, so which is totally up. true. Yeah. And I will, I will never, uh, just like we said earlier, you know, I can't blame any of these, like, you know, relievers or any of these young players or anything for using... Uh, pine tar or whatever uh i will never <laughs> you know I, I could never get mad at a, at a player trying to juice his stats when they when you know they have arbitration or they need to sign contracts and especially because yeah. those arbit those arbitration boards you know they're they're specifically like not allowed to take any sort of uh you know context or anything into account they just look at stats like they mm-hmm. look at like rbis and you know, batting average and stuff. They don't even look at any sort of advanced things. You can't make your case that way. Uh, so like, fuck it. Yeah, juice it. Juice your juice your stats. Do it. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I, I, well, people made the very fair point also that Yerman Mercedes is a 28 year old rookie in pre arbitration. Like, no one yeah. has more incentive to get as many home runs on on that counter sheet going into that first arbitration year when he'll be like 30 years old than him. And then so in the uh, in the next game, the, the it's a four to two game. Twins are down by two, and Tyler Duffy comes in in relief for the Twins, uh, and just throws at Mercedes, 
throws throws behind him, you know, at his legs, uh, just right away. And the the umpires had, I the, you know, they conferred and they throw him out. Mm-hmm. Um, Rocco Baldelli comes out like a, like a manager should when a player gets thrown out. Like I don't know if Ro- I, I like I somehow have any I I somehow have my doubts that Rocco Baldelli like ordered this. He doesn't seem like that sort of guy. Mm-hmm. And like they didn't have anybody warming up after D- Duffy yeah, <laughs> or for yeah. Duffy. So like, and it just, it just doesn't seem like, I don't know, like his style to, to, to do that. But it's like, so, but I don't know what, for whatever reason, Duffy did it. It was incredibly stupid. Um, it's like the seventh inning in a game that you can still come back from. And the twins did come back and win that game. That's, that's the funny <laughs> part to me. Yeah. Is that they actually yeah. did. It worked. Like, like well, yeah. Rocco, Rocco Bell, Baldelli's part worked. Like, you go out there to fire up your guys. That seemed to have right. worked. Yeah. You, yeah, you should go up there to fire up your guys. A manager, you know, if a guy gets thrown out or is about to get thrown out, like, that's their that's part of their job It's to go out and, and you know, yell at the umps. Get, got, get your guys fired up. Defend your guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, and I don't want to, like, I don't know. I don't want to defend him or say he's, like, a hero or anything. Because for all I know, he, he, he did order it. Who fucking knows? But... It was just incredibly stupid, the whole fucking thing. Yeah. And then Larusa goes into the uh, in the interview afterwards, and says like, and basically says that Mercedes deserved it. That that is <laughs> just that is unreal. So unhinged, like absolutely unhinged. And this is a that and is like, your er- player. Yes. E- like even if you believe that, which itself is insane. You don't say yeah. it to the media. Right. Like, you know, you, you keep that shit in house. And, like, the Larusa hire in the first place uh, was, you know, everybody said, okay, there's going to be huge culture clashes here. This is going to be bad mm-hmm. for this team. Uh, this is not going to be a fit. And, like, it took them no time at all to be proven right. I it's, And the people saying that probably didn't predict that it would be this bad. <laughs> yeah, that it would be this stupid. Like, and well, I think also uh, White Sox are are many friends on White Sox Twitter. Be a little mad if we didn't also point out he's doing a really bad job managing games. It sounds like he's a couple yeah. times now left or, or sent uh, relievers out for the sec- a second inning rather than putting his closer in in a tie game in the ninth, which is just the dumbest like pre twenty fourteen kind of baseball thinking in terms of bullpen management. And he just, like, there's been several times where he just doesn't seem to understand rules. Mm-hmm. No. Like, maybe that have changed since he uh, retired last, too. Uh, it's, it's grim. <laughs> like, I can't find the logic for, for some of this, like, unwritten rules bullshit. Like, it, it, it seems to be, I don't know, it's just like, that's not even tough guy shit. That's, like, whiny guy shit. Yeah, that's how I want to be in, in, in bed. I want to be in bed by ten shit. Yeah. Uh. But, like... Who? What's gonna? What's gonna be quicker here? Him just like bopping a home run, or watching Williams Astadio uh, just do four pitch walk after four pitch walk? Yeah, like it's it's like it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's not gonna be any faster. No, it's like, no. Or slower. Like it's purely just like pissy for the sake of being pissy. Really, really stupid. But that's it's a good segue into uh, our mailbag questions here got a couple on LaRusa that we're going to start off with at rapture helmet says was tony LaRusa ever a good manager or was i tricked into believing this by cardinals dominance when growing up yeah you you, you, you gotta give him some credit for the yeah 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 he, he was at one point 
for whatever the standard of a manager was at the time, good. Managing made a bigger difference back then. He had more of an impact on the team than modern managers do. And I think you got to give him a little bit of, little time, you know, you got to give him a little bit of credit there. As much as you can for a manager. Yeah, and that was a long time ago now. We have really not just the White Sox, Tony Larusa, but also the Diamondbacks, Tony Larusa, in more recent memory of just being uh, a cranky old weirdo who's way out of touch. He did also manage some of like the most juiced up teams mm-hmm. of all time, though. So. That's really true. Yeah, and he's never really been held to account for that at all. No, never. All right, and then um, at Confused Comrade says, "You think Larusa will get the boot? If so, how long do you give him?" I guess a good uh, addendum to this question is: Should he, in your opinion, go? Like, I think he should absolutely oh, yeah. go. I mean, uh, he's he's proven to be a bad manager, a bad leader. Mm-hmm. And, and like, he should have, the White Sox organization, you know, the, the ownership should never have stuck with him no. after this, after his DUI that they, uh, that he got. They should have fired him before he managed a single game for them. And he has yeah. only gotten yeah. worse since the start. Like, not having your players back publicly over something so stupid is, like, you, you cannot come back from that. That is fireable, and it is a, it is ridiculous that he still has a job. It's, I mean, he, yeah, he's clearly lost the clubhouse. Um, Tim Anderson was saying, like, mm-hmm. we're like the bad kids that don't listen. Good, don't listen. I, yeah, no, you shouldn't. Yeah. I saw some, somebody, I don't remember who tweeted it, but somebody was like, player manager Jose Abreu? Like, <laughs> hell yeah, let's go. We need to have, yeah, player manager Chase Utley, player manager Jose Abreu. Like, let's go. But, like, will he get the boot? I don't think no. so. Jerry Reinsdorf uh, is in love with the guy, and he gave him this job as a like, as like an I'm sorry for uh, for you know getting rid of him in the '80s or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's 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 really stupid. And if he wasn't gonna fire him for the DUI, if he wasn't gonna fire him after this, he's not going. No. he's there, and he and they're and they're winning games. They're at the top of the AL Central. They're one of the, they're one of the best, easily one of the best teams in the league. And that's the most frustrating part. It's just like. They're winning in spite of him, and he is just going to reap all of the rewards from that. That roster's talent is going to completely cover this up like a black mm-hmm. eye. Like, and it's it's really, really shameful. He's going to fucking win. I don't know who votes for manager of the year, but I bet he's going to vote. I bet he's going to win manager of the year. Oh, God, that would be... Oh. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Uh, the the BDP... Is it a B- I don't know if it's a BBWAA award or not, actually. That's a really interesting question. God, I hope not. That's a very grim scenario. Yeah. I mean, like, Paul Molitor won it a couple years ago when, you know, he took the, the Twins from a 100-plus loss team to a wild card team. But he was a bad manager <laughs> that uh. year, too. There was just, like, uh, some really, really good performances in the second half of the season. So, like, uh, I don't know. They love old-school guys, whoever's voting on that, you know? I think that that... And they love, uh, you know, a turnaround or something. So I think that he... I think he gets it. Um, I, I think he, he'll just fucking win it. It's going to be stupid. <laughs> but maybe my, my theory, my working theory is that he does it. I don't think he's got a multi-year contract. I think it's a one-year deal. Um, oh, thank God. Not 100% certain on that. But I think, I think it's a one-and-done. I'm crossing my fingers. Maybe this is a too optimistic. It's a one-and-done deal. Are they grooming anybody to take a spot? Uh, managers are so, it's so rare to bring in a manager from the organization. It's hard for me to, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. It's it's usually, you know, they get a bench coach from somewhere else or something yeah. like that. So, all right, let's stop talking about <laughs> Tony La Russa 
and uh, the White Sox. I just do want to say also before we do that that all, a lot of the attention has been on Larusa, uh, but fuck Tyler Duffy and whoever yeah. and the Twins encouraged yeah. him to do that. If, if that's what happened, mm-hmm. um, they're not blameless in this either. Uh, oh, okay. oh, actually, sorry, I do have one more thing. That was actually a really good point. I think it was Alex Wood pointed out on Twitter. Um, it's hard as fuck to hit a home run on a 46 mile an hour <laughs> EFA's pitch. Yes, that is yeah. a lot of power to crank something that far at that at that at that speed. That that is like be- that is beast mode. Um, like I remember, yeah, a couple years ago when like Vlad Guerrero Jr. was about to debut, and <laughs> seeing videos of him like uh, hitting opposite fields home runs off the tee and stuff, like just ridiculous, yeah, ridiculous power, yeah. I mean, and like that's that's what Mercedes is. I mean, he's Vlad's slimmed down a lot, and he's still he's chasing the home run lead, which has been a very fun thing in the last week or so yeah he's he's the best hitter in baseball right now statistically he's he's having an incredible season yeah absolutely incredible but yeah he was just you know just these super strong guys and mercedes is like a big boy <laughs> like he's you know vlad vlad was at the time yeah okay so let's go from uh the white Sox. then we got a couple questions about the san francisco giants i recently said that i'm uh, i'm getting giants pilled <laughs> um the twins are playing 500 baseball right now for the first time in forever <laughs> they have finally won both a series which they haven't done in a long time since the beginning of the season like the first series of the season uh they've also won uh or no they i guess they won two out of three against the royals like weeks ago too but like uh but they also won their first doubleheader game they hadn't won a single doubleheader game, and they had a ton. And they've had a lot of those, and they also won their first uh, extra innings game <laughs> the other oh, day. Oh yeah, they're coming back. They're coming back. Uh, but I'm still like the Giants' pill is digesting. Well, it's it's kind <laughs> of me. It's eerily eerily perfect timing because the Giants are now also a 500 team. I know. They're struggling. I know. But pretty much as soon as you announced that, the balance started shifting in in the Twins' favor again. The fates are drawing you back to Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, okay, so, so and- I'm gonna need that giant's pill to fully digest in that case. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and at Matthew Gregory says, "Are the Giants demonstrating that you can create a good team with the free agent pool, specifically their starting rotation, or is this a whole lot of smoke and mirrored buoyed by a bunch of unlikely vets overperforming?" And Lauren, you've been looking into this. <sighs> I have. Um, I I broadly think it is true that yes, you can put together a successful team purely from talent on uh, the on, on trades and on, on the free agents market um, with guys hit on flyers every year. Like um, Rich Hill, I think that's mm-hmm. like a .42 ERA in this, this month. He's doing great. He's on a one-year deal with the Rays. Uh, every year there's guys who do great on one-year deals. But specifically with the Giants, um, I, 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 I've been fascinated by what they've been doing. It looks like maybe it's a little shakier than it was at the start of the season. Uh, and really also more, I think it's that the Dodgers and Padres are once again ascendant and the opportunity for uh, a shift in the power structure of the NL West has kind of gone against the Giants' favor at the same time, unfortunately. But uh, I have been uh, trying to figure... Oh, go ahead. Oh, and I was about to say that the the Giants, I mean, they're they're still only a game back of the Dodgers and two games back yeah, of the Padres. Yeah, it's still very close. Like, they're playing, like, just shy of 600 baseball yeah. right now. And all three teams are really close to their Pythagorean record. Like, there's no, there's not, like, any... No one's just getting super lucky in games. All three teams are very talented and performing very well. In in the case of the Giants, better than they have in a couple of years. Uh, I look specifically at Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, the three guys who have been there the longest and are the uh, the vets of the World Series teams. I think Crawford only two of them, but either way, 
Um, and it's, it's, I'm trying to figure out like what's going on. Their, their ISOs are all crazy high over what their usual numbers are. Uh, Posey's is usually like a 158 career ISO guy. He's got 290. Uh, Brandon Belt's a 192 ISO guy. He's at 252. Brandon Crawford, 147, now at 287 on the year. And I, I'm not, I look at fan graphs, or sorry, I look at, um, StatCast numbers. I, I, I'm not an expert on them. I don't always interpret them correctly. I am an amateur in this, you know, who just with an interest in these things. So it's very possible a, a better informed person can tell me I'm full of shit and don't understand what I'm looking, the numbers I'm looking at. Their exit velocities haven't really changed much. Uh, a couple of their launch angles haven't really changed much. There's no real correlation I can see. Uh, they're all just barreling the ball up a, a good deal more and hitting it a good deal harder uh, with a much over their career numbers percentage of balls hit over 95 miles an hour. Uh, Posey in particular, it's like a, a 10 point jump in hard hit rate, uh, he doubled, uh, doubled his barrel rate uh, against his career average. Brandon Belt's the same, although Brandon Belt's kind of weird because he was doing the same thing in 2019 or 2020. It seems like he's continue carrying on most of his success for that pretty incredible year he had. Uh, Brandon Crawford is a little bit less of a change, but he's still outperforming his, 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 he's doing better than he has for a couple of years. And none of them are really hitting the ball any harder, they're just hitting it better. And that could be an institutional thing. That could be a sign that uh, they've got better training. They've got better access to modern player development and tools that may be carried over from the Dodgers when new management came over. That's just kind of speculation. There's a lot of weirdness in the data I don't understand. It's ultimately a small sample size. But it is possible these three guys are, uh, maybe this is kind of sustainable. They're not like suddenly magically hitting the ball drastically harder on average. They're... It's not like they have a huge, like, uh, like crazy high BABIP or anything. Yeah, they, well, their their babs their babs are higher, but when you hit the ball better, your babs goes up a little bit. Like that's right, right, not right. totally crazy. I mean, yeah, but it's it's a babs increase that that makes sense though. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, and it it seems like um that I couldn't really figure out any of their weird splits in their numbers. Uh, Posey's hitting better at home. Posey's hitting better home and away. Uh, Belt's hitting better at home. Crawford's betting hitting better away. The pitching side of things like a. Every now and then, guys will go to Oracle Park and way outperform their uh, peripherals because that's what, it's the most home run suppressing park in the the league. Um, so that that wasn't super interesting to look at. But the fact that like the offense is succeeding in a way we haven't seen from a Giants team in you know my years. My, my recent memory uh, yeah. is what's kind of surprising and confusing and interesting to me. Okay, good Giants analysis. Thanks for that, Lauren. Yeah, that it, was that was fun. That was very good. But Thank you, if Lauren. you know more about uh, Statcast numbers than I do, please uh, let me know if I'm talking up my butt because it's. Like, I'm, I'm looking at, like, launch angle stuff here, and I can't figure out why Posey's lower than ever, but doing better than ever. Um, it's over my head. Someone please let me know if you're actually good at this stuff. <laughs> All right, gotcha. We'll go on to the next question here. Oh, um, oh ep- sorry. I do have my fun fact for the day. This, no, I'm oh. not going to do that. I'm not going to make you guys do, guess. I'm just going to say my fun fact for the day is that uh, Brandon Crawford, two for two with bunting in 2021. All right. Huh. 100% bunt success rate, Brandon Crawford. Let's go, Brandon Crawford. Wet guy dominance. Let's go. He is success. Okay. Quality bunch. That's it. Uh, next question at Brugeville Suspects says, I'm moving to Iowa soon. What teams or leagues should I get into? Since apparently half of the league, including every team the Tigers play in the Central, is blacked out there. Yeah, Iowa, when you look at those blackout maps, Iowa is one of the worst that you, you will possibly it's got see. six, right? It's something like that. It's just, a, it's it's just a ton. For a state that has... No MLB team in it. I looked into I looked into this very very briefly right before we started the show, and it looks like a lot of like Iowa had a lot of uh, minor league teams in mm-hmm. it though. 
um, but a lot of them did not survive the reorganization mm, of the miners. Right. Two of them that did, I mean, I very, very quickly looked over this, though. Two of them that did make it, though, is uh, the Iowa Cubs, who's ob- they're obviously uh, a Cubs affiliate. And then the uh, the Twins have a, a high A affiliate there, the uh, the Colonels, like corn. They're, they got a little corn guy. That's, That's their, cute. That's their logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, those teams do exist there. There's still some. Isn't there also an independent team, I think, the uh, in like Sioux City or something? I believe so. Yeah, go to go to an independent game. Yeah, support the independent leagues. They're cool. Yeah, there we go. No blackouts there. No blackouts there. Uh, at the tweet haver. Hey, what's up, bud? Uh, he says, "What team is Chris Bryant getting traded to, and how many teenagers that haven't played baseball uh, will the Cubs get back?" Oh man, Chris Bryant's having a great season. I, I amazing season. And good for him. Good for you know. I hope he gets paid because he got screwed over by the Cubs pretty hard. I haven't really liked him in past years, mm-hmm. but that was just petty homerism. Uh, where who needs a third baseman right now? That's I guess that's a question. What competitor has a crummy? I guess probably the White Sox. Who, who are they running out there? Third. Well, Yohan Makata is he getting most play appearances or is no Jake Lamb's at first? White Sox are fine. Scratch that. Um, <laughs> hmm. Let, let me let me type on the keyboard a second here. Let's get those clacks. <laughs> I mean, the Phillies could absolutely use him, and he is yep. Like Bryce Harper is his good friend. Yeah, yep. So Phillies are the answer. M- yeah, my friends. That would be fun. My friends and I constantly torment our Cubs fan friends that uh, future Philly Chris Bryant. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't. I don't see that happening. For a rental, why? Why not? With Alec Bowen being as. Uh, Bad as he's looked. I think uh, it looks like the Philadelphia has gotten negative 0.3 war out of the third base position. Oh, no, no, no. He should go there. It yeah. would be the best fit. No. I'm just, I, I, like, that would be a good thing, and therefore I do not expect it to happen. <laughs> That's fair. I think after that it would be the Angels, but the Angels do actually have a really good third baseman. He's just been hurt a bunch. That said, the Angels also just need a hitter. They Put him wherever, you know. Put him in, yeah. uh, put him in, in left field. Who gives a shit? They just need somebody other than Otani and Trout when he's back who can actually hit the ball. He's played some outfield, Chris Bryant. Yeah, yeah, I think he actually played a fair bit last year. Yeah, why not? Throw him to the Angels. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. And they desperately need something to keep from just, like, wasting one of the most incredible, two of the most incredible single seasons, perhaps, of all time. It is yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> that team is unbelievable. They're in fifth place. God, that's crazy. It's, yeah. <laughs> God damn it. As Otani continues to do like cool stuff every night. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, as he continues to be a great uh, hitter, pitcher, and like, and he's he's fast. I feel like that doesn't get talked about as much when we talk about like how great Otani is. Is like somehow he's really fast too. They're behind Texas and Seattle. Yeah. No, that's insane. That is that is absolutely just bonkers, ridiculous. Ugh. Okay. That's under the Angels or the Phillies. That sounds good. Let's see. All right. Uh, and the last question at Jagger707 says, I have to know about Jane's Pizza. Did you see my pizza today that I posted? Oh, yeah. I saw your pizza. That I missed this. Fucking great. Yeah, I want you head over my head over to my Twitter. Take a look at this. I'm So I went to, um, I'll tell you about my pizza here. So I went to Cassetta, which is an Italian market in St. Paul. It's a really cool place. Like, really cool, like, Italian grocery. They have a cafeteria in there as well. That's very good. Uh, and, like, a bakery, coffee shop, little place in there. Um, it's it, it's awesome. Great place. They, yeah, they have a restaurant and their cafeteria and stuff. It's great. Um, and they make really, really good handmade stuff. 
And so I get huh. a big ball of their pizza dough. Uh, I get their sauce. Their, I get a little bit of the white sauce as well and put that into the red sauce. Ooh. But, you know, put the dough out, put some good olive oil over over it like you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Cover it in just that, that good sauce, that fresh mozzarella, um, whatever toppings. I did the uh, the spicy sausage and some pepperoni. Oh, yeah. And then I made it a little thicker on the crust, like if you see on the cross section there of the of the pictures that I, that I posted. Mm-hmm. And then on the crust itself, the outer ring of the crust, I I like braise it with some some garlic butter and then Ooh. sprinkle oh, Parmesan fuck. over it. Yeah. How long did it take to cook? Twelve minutes at four hundred, and then I open it up and I pop any of the bubbles that uh-huh. come up in the dough, so that so that the cheese doesn't slide forward. Uh huh. And then I put it in for about another eight or nine minutes. Okay, that's beautiful. It's a beautiful looking pizza. It's amazing. It's so good. And like one piece of it, and I was full. <laughs> like I'm gonna be eating this thing for like probably two or three days now. That's the ticket. Yeah. It's so it's so good. But yeah, check out check out my Twitter if if anyone would like to look at a picture food of food chat. Us. Yeah, food chatter. I have not been cooking a bunch lately. Like I I I normally cook a ton, but like I've been doing this weird. Have you guys heard of Huel? I've been on this Huel kick lately. Oh yeah. Uh, it's like a, what's it called? It's like a Soylent sort of thing, isn't it? Well, they or do, food they re- do that. Yeah, they do like shakes of the stuff. They do like mm. shakes and bars and proteins. But they also have um, this stuff called Huel Hot and Ready. That's like a, it's a nutritionally complete freeze-dried rice and quinoa blend uh, with a bunch of different spices and stuff that you just add hot water to. And it's it's basically gruel. It's basically like Futurama. <laughs> the bachelor chow? Bachelor chow. But I'm yeah. into it. It's like I'm, I'm not taking... It's I'm, good. I'm it's it's fine. It's like kind of like a okay. it, it's way bland. I need to add a ton of salt and MSG to it. Um, but like it's like under three bucks per meal if you buy it in bulk, which I I did. Not bad. And it takes five minutes to make, and I can kind of pretend that I, I'm the little neat um, wagey in my cagey uh, while I eat my <laughs> little hamster chow. Um, <laughs> if it came with like a big bottle down on my desk that I could like nibble on, that would be like the best yeah, possible be like wage like desk <laughs> desk jockey kind of move that's what i've been doing instead of like making beautiful food and photography photographing it for twitter is um, <laughs> e- eating a lot of that and um, how the tables have turned yeah I, i'm also into zucchini lately i've been eating a bunch of zucchini i don't know what that's about zucchini's good yeah. as shit so i've just never been a big zucchini person but i've had it like four times in the last two or three days on a kick huh i've huh? been i've been really into like cookbooks I've gotten like three new cookbooks in the past month and I really want to try a bunch of new shit and and like my my comfort zone is like soups and stews because uh-huh. they're easy and it's just one component and I don't have to worry about anything else but I've just been so fucking busy for the past 2 weeks and I really want to get I've got I've got a West African ground nut stew that I want to make uh-huh. Ooh. And then what's this over here? Uh, this is a eggplant, lentil, and pomegranate stew, which Ooh. both of those yes. sound fantastic. And uh-huh. I have not had fucking time. Yeah, yeah. according to Adam Carolla, you are uh, saving masculinity here. Wait, what? Uh, as Adam as Adam Carolla famously tweeted, uh, I think uh, I think last year where he said, "Men nowadays would rather wear bracelets than eat stew." <laughs> Why? I don't know. It's it's one of those baffling thing about uh how, how men are soy now. Stew is a tough guy thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to like the dem- feminine dainty soup. Not really. Yeah. 
the big hearty hearty stew like i guess i guess he probably just like he's a he's a really dumb guy like a famously dumb guy he probably fell for like those really stupid old dinty more ads well, no, yeah I, actually you know what it does sound perfect because like uh it's for people who are lazy who can't who get confused if a recipe has too many directions and too many ingredients. Yeah, if you just need to throw a bunch of shit into a pot. Throw shit in a pot. Um, and just let it sit there. Yeah. I think I have a bit of a hot take formulating here. Uh-oh. If I can work this out for a second, this oh, should be good. Shit. Speak on it. I've opened I've opened myself up to a Lauren hot take. I think where he's going with this is he's he's visualizing stew as beef stew. Like the mm. classic stew totally. meat. With a little potato and like Worcester sauce and like a just a water base, which is fine, but a little boring. A very 1950s. It sucks. Yeah, I hate beef. Beef stew is boring. Mm. The 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 stew meat that you buy at the grocery store is terrible beef. Just a bunch of soggy carrots. Soggy, like gross, like huge chunks of carrot that aren't pleasant to bite into. Barely, you know, overcooked potatoes that boil for 45 minutes because the cook never knows what they're doing. Not uh Beef stew, as it's conceptualized in the American masculine mind, terrible product. Everything as com- as conceptualized in the American masculine mind is terrible. Make a nice chowder. All I'm saying, soy boy it up. Put a little cream sauce in there. Make a nice yeah. make a nice chowder. Soy it up, Adam. Does a chowder is is I, I don't I don't know what the definition of a chowder is. Is, is a chowder necessarily seafood? No, it you can have like a corn chowder. Well, that's true. Because I don't really yeah, I, love seafood. I think the the definition of, that makes it a chowder is that it's a milkier, thicker base. I can get into that. Mm-hmm. So what differentiates that from a bisque? Because I thought a bisque is like has you know is like a like the creamier soups. I think a bisque is just a, a few very specific kinds of of soup. Um, I, I don't think okay. bisque is as broad a category, at least for the American palate. Perhaps in France, there are many kinds of bisque that we are unaware of. <laughs> But here, but here in America, where we eat beef stew to prove how tough we are, uh, yeah, we, we really... don't wear bracelets. No, we can ask Lewis about his his bisque knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Next time he's on the next time he's on the show, he's gonna be like, "All right, Lewis, before before we get into any baseball shit, what what's the deal with bisques?" <laughs> All right, good good food talk. Uh, that was that was a fun episode. All right, we will see you all next week, or you will hear us. I should say we don't. We don't. Don't make us see you. No, we don't want that. You don't want that. Yeah. You don't want. You don't want this at all. All right. Bye.